Welcome to the Pascal Web Podcast. Pastor Pascal is the senior pastor of Alive Bible Church, a vibrant and growing church with branches across South Africa. Pastor Pascal is an anointed teacher of the Word of God who makes the Bible to come alive. Get ready to be empowered with knowledge that will cause you to rise up and become who God wants you to be. Today's message is, God or Caesar, who would you like to work for? Let's go straight into God's word this morning. The best job in the world. Part 3. John 9 verse 4, the Bible says, I must work the works of him who sent me while it is day. The night is coming when no one can work. Last week we saw seven um, qualities that you need to have to secure a good job. Hallelujah. You know, and I think I've been sharing with us that unemployment is a serious problem in our country. Um, And I, I think you will do well to listen to these messages quite you know, many times, because it will help you. You'll be surprised how people miss opportunities all the time, because they don't just know these things. They think they need bigger things, but these little things that you hear me talk about, God can use them to really help somebody. Praise God. So we saw about you you must be valuable, you must be brave, you must be a warrior, you must be well-spoken, you must be fine-looking, must be spiritual and you must be a shepherd. Hallelujah. If you want to hear about them in details, just go on YouTube, go on CastBox, go on Facebook. They are all there. Everything is available. Just go get it, listen to it, and God will bless you. This morning, let's continue in our series. This morning, I want to talk about uh, something here. God or Caesar, who would you like to work for? That is today's message, God or Caesar, who would you like to work for? Praise the Lord. In the book of Matthew 12, verse 17, the Bible says, And Jesus answered and said to them, Render to Caesar the things that are Caesar's, and to God the things that are God's. The marvel at him. You see, Jesus was making them and us aware that there are two entities on earth that people are committed to. Entities from whom people receive things and people can give back things. And one entity is Caesar. At that time, Caesar was the greatest ruler in the world. So Caesar will, by default, represent the world system. And then, of course, God. Render to Caesar what belongs to Caesar and render to God what belongs to God. You can give to Caesar, you can give to God, meaning you can work for Caesar and you can work for God. You can give yourself to Caesar. You can give your time, your money, your energy, your creativity. You can give what you are and what you have to Caesar, and you can also give it to God. Now, the question that I have for us this morning is, who will you work for, or who would you love to work for? 
Because Caesar can employ you, and God also can employ you. So you need to to decide this morning who you're going to work for. I've been teaching you about work and the importance of working. But I guess it's important that I make you aware this morning that um, the first employer of men was God. Long before you had Coca-Cola, long before you had Apple, long before you had the company you are working for, all these things that we are having today that in the bracket represents Caesar or Pharaoh or Memon, the first person to ever employ man, the first employment of man was handed down to him by God himself. So God is the first employer ever. Genesis 12, verse 15, the Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to work. So you can see from there, that is Genesis 2. No other company was created. God was employing man. God has started a business because in the, in the early verses of the same chapter, the Bible says, and God planted a garden in the east of Eden. So God built a business, God had a business running, and God decided to employ an employee to get somebody to come and work in his business. And he could have picked any other, I mean, you must understand, God had other animals that were available there. But he chose man, and he said to man, come and work for me. For those of us today that see working for God as something odd, something that doesn't make any sense, something that, that is not valuable. Let me just make you aware this morning that the first person to ever employ mankind was not the company you are working for, was the God of heaven. Amen. And the first person to ever pay man, the first salary man ever earned, was not from a paycheck, or from, it was from God. God was the first to employ man. God was the first to pay man. The Bible says in Genesis 2 verse 16, and the Lord God commanded the man, you are free to eat of any tree in the garden. That was his salary. You see, he says to him in Genesis that, you, you know, the first, the first he tells him that you, you have to work. Then as you work, you have to eat. And I, I'm sure you remember Paul said that he, who doesn't work is not supposed to eat. So God employed man, and God is giving man a salary. I mean, can I even tell you, God was the first to fire man. Like the first, the first uh, loss of work, the first dismissal was also by God. So he was the first to, he started a business, he hired this guy to come and work, the guy misbehaved in the business, he fired the guy. He, he paid the guy, and then later he fired the same guy. The Bible says, I am God chased the man from the business. John, the son I'm trying to say there. So you need to realize that before we have all these things we have, you know, human resources, we have these unions and all this. God is the first to ever employ you. Never forget that. And as you go about your journey, and as I, I introduce you properly this morning, because you see, we are very well trained about Caesar's work. But a lot of us don't know about God's work. Do you understand? So I would like to take some time to help you understand 
why I think you should work for God. You see, let me tell you something. Working for God will be by far the most rewarding work you can do with your life. You will always have that choice before you. I guess if you come with me, the book of Joshua chapter 24, verse 15, you'll find out that the choice will always be in front of you between Caesar and God to choose who you're going to give your best to. Now therefore, fear the Lord and serve him in sincerity and in truth. And put away the gods which your father served on the other side of the river and in Egypt. Serve the Lord. In other words, work for God. And if it seems evil to you to serve the Lord, choose for yourself this day whom you will serve. If it seems evil to you, if it seems evil to you to work for God, find another person to work for. It will interest you this morning to realize that Human beings have grown to find it evil to work for God. As a matter of fact, if I was to ask you this morning, if you send your child to school, and a couple of years later your child comes to you and says to you, Daddy, I have made a decision. I'm going to work for God. I'm not going to go and work for any company. I'm going to work for God. What will be your response? Will you say, my son, you have made the best decision of your life. I'm so proud of you. Or will you say to your son, my son, sit down. I didn't spend all the money I spent, sent you to university, did all the things I did for you to come and be telling me that you have received a calling, you want to work for God. What does that mean? As far as that parent is concerned, working for God is evil. Like It's an evil thing that you are coming, after having injected money on you, you are coming to tell me you want to work for God. If it seems evil to you. Because to a lot of us, working for God is, 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 is as good as an evil thing. We don't even consider the possibility. Like there's not even a competition between God and Caesar. There's no choice to make. We've already chosen Joshua says to them, choose for yourself this day who you will serve. Whether the gods which your father served that were on the other side of the river or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. You see, there are gods on further lands. Those gods are companies. They are businesses that you can choose to work for. And there are also gods where you are, exactly in the city where you are living. There are other gods there and you will be saving those gods. But I like the answer that Joshua gave. They said, you you can choose who you want to serve. But as for me and my house, we will work for God. As for me and my house, as for me and my house, we will work for God. We don't think it's an evil thing to work for God. We don't think it's it's, it's a bad thing to serve God. We don't think it's a demeaning thing to work for God. If it seems evil to you. To work for God. You know, I discovered that actually human beings think working for God is evil. 
Like it's, it's not something to even consider. You know, if you like doing research yourself, go check the, the, the hundred, like maybe do a research like the, the 25 most paying jobs in the world or the 100 most paying jobs in the world. Check those jobs and see if you'll find anything connected to God in those jobs. I did that research. I had a shock of my life. I chose the 100 most paying jobs and the 100 best jobs in America, for example. I did not find anything near God in those jobs. Then I took the 25 most paying and best jobs in South Africa. 25. You can go search for yourself. There was nothing related to God, to Christianity, to religion in those jobs. And I, I can even tell you that you could take the thousand or two thousand most, according to the world standard, if you think maybe the five thousand most paying jobs or the five thousand best jobs in any country you'll be surprised that you might not find anything related to God in those jobs. Because as far as we are concerned, working for God is a useless thing. It's a useless thing. It cannot be counted even among the hundred or thousand or two thousand most important jobs. I was also impressed to realize that of all those jobs, the most prominent ones were connected to medicine. In any field, in any country, if you check the most important jobs, they are all connected to medicine, doctors. It also tells you people don't want to die. That is, that, that's why I concluded that doctors have found a job because the people as, as stupid as they have gone, they don't want to die. So they have made doctors their main, main guys. Yeah. They don't want to die. And they know that the only person that can help them survive is the doctor. So they're giving the doctor a lot of money to make sure that, please, I, I want to stay around for a while, so make sure you, you do your part very, very well. They pay the dentists, the cardiologists, you know, the orthodontologists, the psychiatrists, the surgeons, the physicians, the internal medicine physicians. The there are so many, but they are all connected to medicine. We don't want to die. We want to stay around. But I'm talking to you this morning. Will you accept that your child should work for God? See that child that you are busy sending to school? and you are planning to send to varsity, when that child is finished, will you be happy if that child comes back and says, you know what, I want to go to the old, the, the, the farthest village, in, you know, there are some people that they've never heard about Jesus Christ, I want to go there and I want to be serving, I want, that's what I'm going to do for the rest of my life. I think some of you will just start crying, you just say, you just say, I think this is a curse, this family is cursed, I've already known this family is cursed, there's a serious problem in this family. Because as far as you are concerned, this thing that has just come is an evil. It's an evil. An evil has come to the house. An evil has come to the house. 
I'm the one, I've been teaching you for the past two weeks about the importance of working. But I also would like you to realize that your attitude and your disposition towards the, the person that gave you your first job is very important. It's very, very important. And I'm amazed at how our first employer has been put aside. Do you know that there was never going to be a need of any other job if you didn't fall into sin in the Garden of Eden? All these jobs that we have come with today are just a response to our disobedience to a simple instruction from the person who gave us the job and we're just supposed to enjoy the job. All these other jobs that have come, they have come as a response of disobedience. There was no other job to do. The doctor was, well, who are you going to be healing? Because there's no sickness. Who are you going to be teaching? Because there's nobody who's dumb. Everything was going to be just perfect. Who, who, who was going to be buying your clothes? Markham, all these things. Because we, have you ever seen the goats going around shopping and buying? They don't do those things. We are the only group. We are the only group that has to change you have to change underwear. You have to change bra. You have to change every day. The only group. The only group. Because we are the one, we ate that thing. Yeah. So we have given Markham their job. We have given Jed their job. We have given uh, all these guys, they have a job because of our disobedience to God. And then we have elevated them above the one that, I mean, he said, if you don't do this thing, you don't have to. You don't have to do anything. You just enjoy being here. If it seems evil to you to work for God, when you think about working for God, what comes to your mind? I want you to talk to me this morning. I know you can hear me. When you think about working for God, having to do anything that is connected to God, what, what are your thoughts? What are your thoughts? Think about it deeply. Because it affects and influences your life and your decisions. And the decisions of your children. It does. There are a couple of things that make us to feel that working for God is evil. Because that's why we are in the church. The church will be blessing you just like Adam and Eve were in the garden. They are being blessed. But they are feeling that following this leader, their manager, the person that has employed them, they feel that he is an evil person. It's interesting. So the first thing I've discovered that is the reason why people that God has helped don't want to involve themselves in his things. But they need him, but they don't want to be part of anything he is doing. Why are we like that? Why are we this type of people that a God so kind will love us and help us so much? But we don't want to do anything for him. You know why? The first reason why we are the way we are, we are rebels. That's what you should know. You know, you should know as you should know very, very well. The reason why we find that it is an evil to work for God is rebellion. 
as you are sitting in that church this morning watching me, well-dressed, you'll be surprised that you are a well-dressed rebel. You are a good-looking rebel. Yes. As we see us sitting there this morning, we are, rebe- we are a bunch of rebels. <laughs> Just that we don't have spears and, 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 and all these other stones and stuff to throw around, but they, we have them in our hearts. You just, you just need to press certain buttons and you will see the spears and you will see the knives. They come out. Rebels. Yeah. That is in us. That rebellion. Each one of us has it. We have a rebellion towards that authority that set itself over us from the moment we started our journey. It started in the garden. We rebelled. We refused to do the work according to the rules that were given us. And it's been like that ever since. Ever since the garden, we took on another nature in us, which is the nature of Satan. You see, Jesus spoke directly to some guys in the book of John. The book of John 8.44, he said to them, you are of your father, the devil. And the desires of your father, you want to do. So there are certain things we want to do, but those things are very different from God. Like when it comes to the things that God wants us to do, we don't want to do those ones. We don't like those ones. Like, like we, it's like we, you, are, you, are, you are torturing us when you ask us to do those ones. But the ones of the father that we have inherited, we want to do them. In fact, we even pay to do them. Rebellion in us. As you are sitting there this morning, my brother, you have to know that there's a rebellion spirit in us. That's why we find it hard to work for God. Like it, it, when you find a person that is working for God, so most of the time you'll even be surprised that people that are supposed to encourage the person are rather saying to the person, are you mad? Why are you doing all these things? Can't you see they're abusing you? Can't you see they're using you? The same person will work 27 hours in another company for Caesar. People will clap for him. They say, wow. I mean, you are the employer of the, the employee of the year. People torture themselves. Right? Sometimes all they get out of that is 2,500 as extra or 1,005. Or sometimes just claps. But don't ask them to do something like that for God. No, 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 no. Why? Why? The 2,000 that you are getting after maybe four or five years of working in that company, that you are, they, are giving, they give you a 2,500 and you are employee of the month. Let God charge you for his breath. Just for one hour. One hour is a lot. Let him charge you for his breath for one minute. Tell me if your 2,000 of after five years of working Dodging God, refusing to serve God, you, are, you have now received 2005. 
Yeah, from Caesar. Caesar is in 2005. You, you, you've really worked. This month, we are honoring you. You are, you are an employee of the month. Wow. And you are feeling so great. You are of your father. The devil. And the desires of your father you want to do. That the first thing you have to know about us is that <laughs> there's a desire in us and it's not from God. We've got a father who he, he has imparted his desires on us. He has imparted his desires and we want to do his desires, not the desires of our heavenly father. It's the desires we want to do. John 3 verse 19, verse 19, this is the verdict. Light has come into the world. But people love darkness instead of light. People love darkness instead of light. People love Caesar more than God. People love Egypt more than Canaan. In fact, they will be saying to you, please, we want to go back to Canaan. We prefer to be, they prefer to be flocked to carry the heavy stones rather than going to that milk of that land of milk and honey you are talking about. We have never seen it. You are just saying that there's something called milk and honey. We've at least seen the 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 the, 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 the garlics and the cucumbers and the fish of Egypt. You are talking about milk and honey. We've never seen it. But you keep saying we must push in the wilderness. We want to go back to Egypt. Light has come into the world. The people prefer darkness. You know why? It says because their deeds are evil. Where did they get the evil? This impartation of the Father. Our Father that has imparted us with these desires that we prefer to follow this way than come this way. That's how we are. Look, I must be honest with you this morning. Yeah. Rebellion is in us. It doesn't start in the church. We are like that everywhere. We are like that. We are like that. The second reason why I think we find it's evil to work for God. And as I'm showing you this, I pray that you'll fight these things in your life. That you will realize that working for God is nothing evil. It's the greatest blessing you could have. And when you are not working for God, you are working for somebody else. And who is that person you are working for? Who is that person you are working for? Who is that person you are working for? This person that is taking all your time, all your wisdom, all your intelligence, he des- it seems like he deserves it all. God deserves nothing. You talk to me this morning, church. Talk to me this morning. The second reason that making a lot of us, we don't want to work for God, is fear. The Bible says in Luke, 7 verse 7, uh, Luke 174, we have been rescued from our enemy so we can serve God without fear. So we can serve God without fear. When there is fear, you don't want to work. And our fear started in the garden, but the fear that is really making us to not want to work for God is the fear that we are being cheated. That's the fear. The actual fear. See, not, not fear that I'm afraid of God. No, 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 no. Ah, the main fear here is that 
I'm working for nothing. I'm cheated. Matthew 25, 24, the Bible says, Then the man who had received one bag of gold came, Master, he said, I knew that you are a hard man. Harvesting where you have not sown and gathering where you have not scattered seed. So I was afraid. Ah, you see, well, when you are dealing with this type of hard people, a God that is this hard, you better be afraid. It says, it says I was afraid. Oh. I was afraid for my, for my life. Look, this guy is so hard. He doesn't sow in, but he wants to get. I'm afraid to be cheated here. I'm afraid to be cheated. I'm afraid that I will waste time here. I will waste my energy. I will waste my money here. I'm afraid for my investment. We are afraid to be cheated, isn't it? We feel that working for God, we are being cheated. Somebody is taking advantage of us. And we don't want to have that feeling in us that somebody... He said, that's what he's saying. He said, I was afraid of this. He said, I couldn't give you my best. I couldn't give you my best because, you see, I saw you. And the way I see you, I don't know what you've done, but you are wanting something from me. Small church meeting I have come. You already want my tithe. You already want me to come for outreach. But I don't know what you've done. I, like, I really don't see what you've done. But you, you are asking so much. Asking so much. So I'm afraid of that. I'm afraid to commit too much. I'm afraid to give myself too much. But the same you, you are totally giving yourself to Caesar. I mean like you, you, you are even asking if it is enough or if you must do more. Like you are asking sometimes that, you know, do you want, I, I can do, I, actually, I can actually give more. I don't know if, I don't know if you are satisfied. I don't know if you are satisfied. I can actually push a bit more. As soon as you come to the other guy, you are afraid. He wants to reap what he didn't sow. He wants to harvest what he did not scatter. We are afraid to be cheated. We are afraid to be mocked and ridiculed. We are afraid people will laugh at us. Look at her, she's also a Barcelona. <laughs> oh, look at him, he's also going to church. I mean, you mean you are also part of those group of people? You mean you are really with them? <laughs> you, you mean you, you, you are really with them now? <laughs> you've joined, you've joined the stupids. You've joined the group of uh, lunatics. Lunatics. These are lunatics people. You, you, you've joined the children. You've joined, <laughs> I mean, a grown-up like you, you are going to. You are saying you are going to ABC. You are joining the small, small children. Please find something important to do with your life. You've joined the children. And Jesus said, unless you become like a little child, you cannot enter. And then you are, you are so big, and you are, just, you, are not, you are not entering. You are not entering. You can't serve God because you are saying, no, 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 no. People will laugh at me. I mean, imagine me, they see me with these people. It's not my level. That fear it's causing a lot of us to not work for God. It's causing a lot of us to not serve God. You are sitting there, but you don't do not, you don't do much. You are afraid the church is taking advantage of you. You are afraid the church will take advantage of your car. The church will take advantage of your house. 
I've heard a person say to you, I mean, a person that was in the church I was pastoring before they said, you see these church people? Don't show them that you have. If you show them that you have, they will never stop taking. They don't, they don't stop. It's, it's, I heard it. It's, don't show them that you have. You see these church people? Don't show them that you have. If you show them that you can give, you show them that you are available. When the pastor is saying that the light bulb is broken, you say, Pastor, there's, a, there's money for the light bulb. If you show them that type of attitude, you are finished. You will never again meet budget to the rest of your life. They will suck you dry. They will suck you dry. So people are afraid, though. Pastor will be there screaming that look, eh? They will never move one leg. I see that you are reaping where you did not sow. That's why we are sitting there. Some of you could do so much for God. You know your capacity. But you are not doing it. You are not doing it. Because number one, there's rebellion in us. Number two, there's fear in us. And those things will got them from the garden. If even if they say, we, we heard your voice, we became afraid. The same man yesterday, you were smiling with him. Now you are afraid. You are running away from God. You are afraid. Then there is this thing we call the love of the world. Love of the world. That will make sure you don't work for God. Don't save God. Your heart already is taken. Second Timothy 4:10. Demas, because he loved this world, has deserted me and has gone to Thessalonica. This is Paul speaking. Paul is a servant of God who is trying to do the will of God. And he got this young man called Demas to help him in the, in the work of God. There's something called the love of the world has stolen Demas from Paul. Paul is nowhere to be found. I mean, Demas is nowhere to be found anymore. A young man who was promising... A young man who had a lot of potential to be used by God and for the glory of God. Right now, the love of the world has stolen the person. The love of the world. And many of you watching me this morning, you know deep down your heart what you could be doing for God right now. But you are unable to do it because the love of the world has filled your heart. It has filled your heart. And you cannot have the love of the world and the love of God in the same heart. You see why? Because the Bible says in 1 John chapter 2, verse 15, do not love the world or anything in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. So when you love the world, you cannot love the Father. Therefore, you cannot be about the Father's business. You will be about your Father's business. And I already told you who that Father is. The love of the world. Then, then he starts explaining what it is. He says, for everything in the world, number one, the lust of the eye. I mean, the lust of the flesh. That's where it starts. The lust of the flesh. 
Hmm? Lust of the flesh. The flesh has some lust and it wants to fulfill it. You'll be surprised at how many are cleared from ever working for God because of the flesh. And the flesh is the reason why you cannot give your best to God. Your flesh. Then the last of the eyes. Envy. You don't have it. You desire so much. It's full in you. It's the reason why you can't do much. Your heart is full of the world because of what you keep seeing. It has paralyzed any desire for God because, you see, your, your desires are elsewhere now. You want that car, you want this, you want this, you want this. That's where your heart is. Your eye is seeing those things and creating desires, impacting desires in you. As you are sitting there, you are not the same person. I say, as you are sitting there, you are not the same person because your eyes have seen certain things and your eye has created a desire in you. And that desire has become very strong. It's so strong, that's what you think about. That's what you think about. You are not interested on, on soul winning, all these things we are talking about. While we are talking, it's like we are talking rubbish. That we are wasting your time. We are wasting your time. You just want to see this thing you are seeing in your head. Loss of the eye. And the pride of life. The pride of life, which is the accumulation of things, that gives you a certain feeling. Do you understand? Pride and the pride of life are not the same. Pride is just an attitude that you have, you know, like you, you are thinking very highly of yourself than you should. But the pride of life is a pride that comes to you based on things you have accumulated or you have acquired. Do you understand that? You, you, you've, you've, you, you've accumulated. Jesus says that the, the value of man, the value of life is not based on the accumulation of things. So when you have acquired things, it brings a certain pride in you. And that pride becomes the reason why you cannot humble yourself and work for God. I mean, if you have parked a jeep outside, and then they are now saying that they need you to go and clean the toilet. You will say, I think I came to the wrong place this morning. Did you see the car parked outside? The Bible said, these things don't come from the Father, but from the world. The world and its desires pass away, but whoever does the will of God will live forever. So you can see clearly, these things fight you from doing the will of God. When, when these things are in your heart, you cannot do the will of God. You cannot do the will of God. The presence of the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eye, the pride of life is designed to cause you to not do the will of God. Then there is this other one called the love of money. The love of money. Yeah. The love of money. Let me just read what the Bible says. I'm showing you why we, we think serving God is evil. It's evil. It's an evil thing to serve God. It's because of these things that are present in our lives. And as I pray and I teach this morning, I pray in the name of Jesus that a judgment will be coming on each one of them in your spirit. Amen. 
and that you will stop deceiving yourself and become real with yourself and realize another person has been impacting desires in you. You are not the same person you were before. You are not the same person. You are not the same person. The love of money. 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 9 to 10, the Bible says, those who want to get rich, those who want to get rich, fall into temptation and a trap into many foolish and harmful desires. That plunge people into ruin and destruction. Look, in the whole Bible, there's no verse that has so many negative words in one verse. Like, there's no other verse in the Bible that contains so many negativity in one line. Those who want to get rich, number one, the fall. Number two, temptation. Number three, trap. Number four, many foolish. Number four, uh, number five, harmful desires. Number six, plunge. Number seven, ruin. Number eight, distraction. One line. Just one line. Look at how many problems are in one line. Those who want to get rich. You see the person sitting next to you this morning, they want to be rich. They want to be rich. Let them not lie. They want to be rich. They want it. It's true. It's true. Christians are just very, very deceptive and very, very pretentious. But deep down, as they are sitting there, they want to get rich. And even this message, as I'm saying it, they are saying, ah, pastor, it's just a verse. It's just a verse. Please, don't, don't take this thing literally. This is just a verse. I mean, he was just trying to make a point. It's not like literally, that's what he's saying. That's why you, you are thinking, as you are listening to me now, you are saying in your heart that this is just a verse and I shouldn't take it literally. I mean, he was just trying to be very, very uh, rhetoric, rhetorical or maybe just grammatical. Verse 10 says, for the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. You see, the, the bad things continue. They are just more and 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 more. Root of all kinds of evil. Some people eager for money have wandered from the faith. Eager for money. Eager for money. You don't see them in meetings anymore. You don't see them in anything connected to God. Eager for money. Eager for money. But this is the thing we will never admit to. We will never admit that we are eager for money. We'll never admit that we are rebels. We'll never admit that the love of the world has filled our hearts. We'll just make it look like, no, we are just very dignified Christians. We love Jesus, but we are not just too, we, we are not called. Uh, other, other, Pastor Pascal, he is called. Me, me, I'm just called to support. I'm just, I'm just supporting. You are supporting what? What are you supporting? You are supporting what? You are supporting what? You are supporting what? You are supporting, I've never seen any support. I don't see what you're supporting. I don't see what you're supporting. I'm saying sitting in the church this morning, well-dressed rebels. Well-dressed rebels with tie and suit or nice jeans, you know, 
nasty shirts, nasty smiles, that rebellious people, that will never work for God. They will come to church on Sunday for two hours. They are looking for a good paying job that will give them a lot of money and they will buy their house, they will have their car. Their thoughts are not connected to God. Their thoughts are not connected to the work of God. They are not interested in things. Listen, ask the person next to you. When, when you are spending your week, do you think about God? Do you think about the work of God? I mean, let's be honest with ourselves. Let's be honest with ourselves. And as you are growing that way, will you allow your child to work for God tomorrow? Will Pastor Pascal be alive forever? Can't you see that it is our children that must continue preaching this gospel and we are busy in imparting them with the love of the world? So what you are saying is that the next generation will not have a preacher. The next generation will not have an evangelist because you are making sure your children don't become evangelists. You are making sure your children don't become preachers. We are the ones that have wasted our lives by preaching the gospel. But you will make sure your children save their lives. They will never preach the gospel. Next one is pride. Pride. And if you've understood everything, you say, it's pride. It's pride in our hearts. Because working for God will humble you. Working for Coca-Cola will make you proud. You can, even, you can easily become proud just by the fact that you, you saw your contract and on top it says red Coca-Cola, that thing, just that name Coca-Cola on top and your name at the bottom. You can become very proud. Just you seeing your name next to something like that, except I don't know what happens to us. I don't know what happens to us. People, they just see their name next to loans. Not even like, they don't even own the money. They just, it's a loan. But they see their name next to something like that. I don't know what happens to us. We become untouchable, uncorrectable, unreachable. Plenty loans next to your name. Everywhere is loans. You have associated your name with Jeep. But that Jeep is a loan. You don't own the thing. But just because your name is not associated with Jeep, Jeep, nobody can touch you. It's pride. It's pride. Let's admit it this morning. That's why we are unable to work for God. That's why we don't come for prayer. Meanwhile, the demons are dealing with us, but we don't want to come for prayer. It's pride. How many of you are coming for outreaches on Saturday? Let's be honest this morning. How many of you come for outreach on Saturday? You see, it's, no, it's lower than you. Like, that's not your level. You will come on Sunday morning well-dressed, well-dignified. It is a small boy that must come and do the rounds on Saturday that they do the errands. It's not your level again. My Bible says that Jesus left glory honor. Everything he had, he left it. Came down here in this rotten earth. Became a servant. You cannot leave your car to come and walk the streets to help somebody encounter Jesus. You cannot leave your beautiful house on earth that you will live eventually. Eventually. You will leave it. But you don't want to leave it now to enter the streets and do something for Jesus. 
But your Jesus left the glory of heaven. The honor he had in heaven. He left everything and came down here and paid the price. You are too big. Nobody must laugh at you, you see. But your Jesus, people laugh at him. People put a, a, a ton of crown or a, 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 a crown of thorns on, on, on his head. But you, nobody must pinch you a little bit, you see. You must never feel anything for this gospel. You must have a free ride. Wearing stenistos. All the way to heaven. High heels on a highway. Philippians 2 says, you must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. Have the same attitude. Have the same attitude. Have the same attitude. What is your attitude? What is your attitude? Do you have an attitude of a servant? Because Jesus says, I came to serve, not to be served. I came to serve. Is that your attitude? Do you have an attitude that says, I am here to serve? I am here to serve. I am here. Like, I'm, when, I mean, some of you, you've been in the church for years. You've never served. Are you okay with it? You are okay. Like, it doesn't bother you at all. That you are doing nothing for the kingdom of God. You are rather heaping rubbles on this earth. Heaping, I repeat myself, you are heaping rubbles. You are heaping rubbles. You don't just know it. Which is taking me to my last point. Deception. You are deceived. You are deceived. You are fully deceived. And you see, Mark 4.19 is a revelation. He says these people are unable to do well in the house of God because he says the cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches. Riches are deceptive. When you see a a little bit of money, you become deceived. That's what Jesus was saying. That Riches, money, work, car, it deceives you. The deceitfulness of riches. Most rich people are highly deceived. Like the richer they are, they highly deceived. First of all, they are deceiving to who is their friend. They are thinking that this guy really loves. The guy doesn't love. In fact, every time you turn your back, the things he says about you, you don't know. You are deceived. The richer you are, the more deceived you become because people are not around you for the right reasons. That's why I always encourage people, marry early when you don't have. So that when you have, you realize the person was with me from the moment I didn't have. So I cannot now say that you are with me because I have. But do you know how difficult it is when you have everything and you are somebody saying, I love you. The first question is always, do you really love me or... You love something else that I have. So it, it becomes difficult to even trust people. Because people, when the richer you are, the more deceptive people are around you. And the more deceived you yourself are. <laughs> I'm great. I'm powerful. Look at how they are buying for me. Look at how they are queuing for me. As I end, Solomon understood this deception quite deeply. 
and he captured his thoughts in Ecclesiastes chapter 2. You will do well to read the whole chapter. I'm just going to read a few things he said that help us understand that we are deceived. He says, so I hated my life because the work that is done under the sun is grievous to me. The work that is done under the sun is grievous to me. All of it is meaningless and chasing after the wind. Have you been chasing the wind before? Did you catch the wind? Listen to his word. He said that all your work, all this, you go, every day you go work, come back late. He said you are chasing the wind. You will never catch it. You are chasing the wind. He says, I hated all the things I had toiled for under the sun. I hated them. When I look at my house, I hate it. I look at my couch, I hate the couch. I look at my 50-inch plasma TV, and I don't have one. I hated it. John, now you will say, ah, this man has a 50-inch plasma TV. No wonder he's talking the way he's, I don't have one. I'm just telling you. The thing that you hated. I hated all the things I had toiled for under the sun. He says, because, do you know why he hated them? Not because they are not working. Not because they are broken. No. This is why he hates them. He says, because I must leave them to the one who comes after me. That's why I hate this. Hello, hello, hello. Everything you are working so hard for, you will leave it. You will leave it. <laughs> Somebody is saying here that Queen Eliza has left. After accumulating, accumulating, accumulating from Africa, Accumulating from the Caribbean, accumulating from Jamaica, accumulating from Australia. Gone. Solomon said, I hate this. I mean, how? How how can this be? I've worked so hard. I must leave it. I must leave it. Some of you will look at your beautiful wife and you will hate her. And she will not know why you are hating her. He said, I see you. I see you. After I've suffered with your, 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 your uncles and your malomers, all this, all this suffering, I must not leave you for another guy to come and enjoy. Staying in the house I built. Sleeping in the bed I bought. I hate it. I hate it. But that's the painful reality, my friend. Deception. As you are going around, you don't want to work for God. You don't want to do anything for God. I agree you are building the house. I agree you are paying the car. Ah, I agree you are co- collecting money for your lobola. You must marry. Ah, good, good, good. Sharp, sharp. I tell you, these guys, I hate. I hate these things. After I have accumulated them, now I hate them. Look at your nice delistos. I hate them. I must leave them for my cousin. 
He says, another one will come after me. Then he says, and who knows whether that person will be wise or foolish. Yet they will have control over the fruit of my labor into which I have poured my effort and skill under the sun. I have poured my labor, my wisdom, and my skill in this thing. I've been waking up at 2 a.m. standing by the road to catch the bus to go and work all the day to finally build this house. But I must leave it. And I have no proof that whoever will come after will be wise or foolish. No, I get it. You, you, you don't want to work for God. You are working for Caesar. Even Caesar left everything. Have you seen Caesar around again in Rome? They're moving around, checking the things he has. Okay. He said, this too is meaningless. He says, so my heart began to despair over all my toilsome labor under the sun. For a person may labor with wisdom, knowledge and skill, and then he must leave all the own to another who has not toiled for it. This too is meaningless and a great misfortune. <laughs> he said, this is a misfortune. Hannah, you have worked so hard. You have disciplined yourself. Instead of eating KFC, you were eating pub with milk so that you can raise a little bit of money and finally get that thing sorted. Now you have it, then you must leave it. <laughs> Listen to him as he concludes. He says, what do people get? What do people get for all the toil and ancient striving with which they labor under the sun? Like, what do they get for it? All their days, their work is grief and pain. Even at night, their minds do not rest. And then they conclude, this too is meaningless. Vanity of vanity. Everything is vanity. Job also makes it clear. Job 121. He said, I came naked from my mother's womb. I, I, I hope you, you, you I hope you are still remembering, at least, even if you are so deceived. Like the deception has gone ballistic. But you should at least remember that you came naked. And that you are God, God asked Queen Elizabeth if she has taken anything with her. Eh? The people that they finished everything at the Gold Coast there in Ghana, they took everything. Where is it? Did she take it with wherever she has gone now? Hmm? Job understood it a long time ago. He said, look, I came naked. And the way I see this thing, I think I'm going to, I'm going to go back. So I came naked from my mother's womb and I will be naked when I leave. The Lord gave me what I had. And the Lord has taken it away. Those of you that think what you have is your own doing. You think it's your own man, it's your, it's your own car, 
You think it's your own strength. Job had enough sense to remember it is God who gave it to me. The Lord gave me. Not I acquired. The Lord gave me. When you become wise, you realize that that house you didn't buy it. God gave it to you. You realize that that wife you didn't pay Lobola. God gave it to you. That husband, God gave him to you. That car, God provided it for you. And you stop speaking proudly. My house, my house, my car, my life. Can you give life to save your life? So Paul also concluded it for us. He says, we brought nothing. I mean, Job says, I. Paul says, look, let's generalize it because it's, it's all of us actually. Let's, <laughs> so let's, just, let's just make it clear. We brought nothing into this world and it is certain we can carry nothing out. We can carry nothing out. So I don't know why you are deceiving yourself. I don't know why you are deceiving yourself. I don't know why you are deceiving yourself. You are very deceived. You are very deceived in this work you are doing. You are very deceived. But the word of God has come this morning. How many of you can feel that God is helping you right where you are? God is sending a word to help you come out of deceptions. Come out of these deceptions. Come out of these deceptions. Small money that is entering your pocket, now nobody can talk to you again. Nobody can see you. You are busy. A young man told a pastor who was asking him, my brother, we paid for you to get a job. Now we don't see you. You are not paying tight. He got so angry at the pastor. He said, Pastor, you are asking me that I must pay tight? He said to the pastor, do you know how I earn? Do you know the type of money I make? You are talking about tight. You are talking about tight to me? Do you understand the type of money I'm making? That If I start paying tight about that type of money, it's a lot of money I'm making. Don't even, I mean, imagine if I start paying tight. Oh, that type of money. He said to the pastor, I'm being paid with US dollars. I can see those money. I can't be paying tight. I can't be paying tight. Me, the type of money I make. It is people that earn small, small, small money that can be paying tight. I can't be paying tight. He told the pastor. He told his pastor, I can't pay tight. Because the money is too much. The tight will be unconceivable if I pay tight. If I pay tight, it will be, it will be so, you guys will never give me peace. Yeah? I will never have peace again in this church. You will know that I have money and, and you, I will never have peace in this church. <laughs> I, can, I cannot make the mistake of making you guys know because if I pay my tax, you know what I'm making. I can't make that mistake. I can't make that mistake. The pastor left his house with the tail under the, the legs. It wasn't long. We heard the young man is sick. Young man is sick. Young man is sick. Young man is sick. Goes to the hospital, does test, diagnosed with cancer. 
cancer started eating the young man up until he was left with bones. The pastor said, the pastor who gave the testimony says, when you see him, he's carrying his trouser. You know, usually the trouser carries you. He's carrying the trouser. He's carrying himself, carrying the trouser. So he says to the pastor, he says to the pastor, pastor, you know, things are not okay for me, but I want, if God, he says to the pastor, if God can heal me from this sickness, I don't promise, but if, if God can do something, I will do something also. But he, he's sure, he makes sure he tells the pastor, I don't promise, I don't promise, because you know what I am, I, 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 I can't make it, I, I don't want to promise, but if God healed me from this thing. He's been wasted away, but he still can't promise. I, 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 I can't promise. Hmm? I don't promise. He died. Another one took the car. Another one <laughs> took the house. And the US dollars and the wife for free. <laughs> so in Luke 12, 16 to 21, Jesus told them this parable. I want to end with this. The ground of a certain rich man yielded an abundant harvest. He thought to himself, What shall I do? I have no place to store my crops. I'm filthy rich. I've made it, baby. Mama, I made it. Mama, I made it. Then he said, this is what I'll do. I'll tear down the barns and build bigger ones. So if I was banking with you, bank, and I shift to F&B, or I go to like net bank, like a serious bank that can understand the type of wealth I'm dealing with. And there I will store my surplus grain. And I say to myself, Ah, you have plenty grain laid up for many years. You are covered. Life insurance, security, medical aid. You have money. You have plenty. Take life easy. Eat. Drink. And be merry. Do you see any mention about God's work in that, that thing that he's doing there? For God, God completely God is irrelevant in this equation. Next line. But God said. This God you are forgetting. He let you be. But he will just come by the corner. And he will say one thing. And then he will disappear again. But God said to him. You fool. 
this very night, your life will be demanded from you. Then who will get what you have prepared for yourself? You see that this story, Solomon already answered, Solomon already picked up this, this problem. He saw this problem. Jesus comes years later to tell us this story, but Solomon picked up this heavy problem long time ago. That this work I'm doing like this, who will pick from me? So God is asking him then, who will get what you have prepared for yourself? We always prepare these things for ourselves. When you build the house, you build it for yourself. You want to stay inside. You want to enjoy. Even if you are saying the children, the children. After the children become old, you say to them, go away. But if you are building for them, why are you saying that they should go away? Because deep down, you are, buying, you are building it for you. You start saying to them, you are 21. Go and, go and get your own house. You are 22. Go and build your own house. But you are saying you are building for them. Because the truth of the matter is that it's for you. It's for you. This is how it will be with whoever stores up things for themselves, but is not rich towards God. Whoever stores up things for themselves and is not rich towards God. I want to ask you a question as I close this morning. Between God and Caesar, who would you like to work for? Uh, Pastor, you know, those things that are in the Bible, is the Bible that's talking about those things. I mean, there are other people that also did things, but it's just that the Bible doesn't talk about them. Let me ask you a question. What are that, which book is that one? How long has that book been around? Because the way me I see it, we talk about the Bible. The Bible has been around for millions, I mean for thousands of years, not, not millions of, of years, but thousands of years the Bible has been around. And the Bible has lasted, gener- many books have come and gone, the Bible is still around. So whatever the Bible is talking about, don't you think that even if you have another book that talks about something else, But that thing, as compared to what the Bible talks about, the Bible has more authority than that book you read. And that you rather, you should rather consider what the Bible is talking about here. Today. Praise God. I would like to say what Joshua said. As for me and my house. Not just me. Because some of you, you are serving God, but your house is not serving God. You are working for God, but your wife or your husband or your children, they are not working for God. And you are okay with it. But Joshua had a problem with it. Because if I am working for God, and the other people are not working for God, you mean they are working for who? They are working for my enemy. They are working for the other guy. It should should bother me. It should bother me. I pray for you this morning that wherever you are, you will have the heart of Joshua. And you will take a disposition this morning that working for God is not an evil thing. As the world has trained you and even some believers that are sitting in that church where you are, they have made you believe working for God is an evil thing. 
I pray that God forgive them because they don't know what they are doing. And that God will give every one of us a chance this morning to reconsider our ways and to realize that this investment we are putting, we've been putting it in the wrong direction and it's a matter of time you will realize you are building rubbles. There's nothing that is standing behind. I don't know about you. Yes, I'm working for somebody. I have a job. But my work is for God. The job is to fund my work for God. And I pray that God give me grace to reach a stage where I work for him fully, totally, forever till I leave this world. I pray for that grace. Stand on your feet wherever you are this morning. I want us to pray. These messages are coming to heal us. They are coming to redirect us. They are coming to show us the better way. Pastor is not saying resign from where you are. Pastor is saying decide in your heart who you are really working for. Don't tell me that you gave your best to Caesar. When it comes to God, you give him your rest. Should be the other way around. I pray that your attitude towards the work of God will change. And that you stop criticizing people that are trying to do something for God. Yet you are doing nothing for God. Nothing at all for God. You are building Pharaoh's pyramids. May God help us this morning. And may God raise in this church men and women that will work for God with all their hearts. Men and women that will not need to be pushed to do something for God, to be pushed to pay their tithes, to be pushed to go for address, to be pushed to use their cars to bring people to the house of God. Men and women that are not holding back. Men and women that are not hiding their things so that people will not abuse their things. Men and women that are sold out for God. That are ready to give God anything God is asking. Open your mouth and begin to pray that prayer. Father, help me this morning to recommit myself to you fully. To not save you half-heartedly. From the bottom of your heart, pray this prayer, please. May God help us. May God help us. Put aside laziness. Put aside pride. Put aside the love of the world. This love of the world is passing away. Let me tell you something. It will not stay. You will will eventually disappear. Help me, Jesus, to love you and to serve you and to work for you. To work for you. To work for you. To work for you. As for me and my house, we will work for God. As for me and my house, We will work for God. We will never see the work of God as an evil thing. We will never consider the work of God as an abuse. We will never consider the work of God as a mistake or as a cheating scheme. We will see it as a privilege and a blessing. Help us, Jesus. Help us, Jesus. In Jesus' precious name, we have given thanks. You are watching the service this morning and you are not born again. You have never given Jesus Christ your heart. You have never surrendered to him. I would like to lead you in a prayer this morning that will help you to start your journey. Can I tell you something? Jesus told people to do the works of God and they asked him, what are the works of God? He told them the work of God, one of the work of God is that you must believe in Jesus that God sent. So believing in Jesus is part of the work. (laughs) 
believing in Jesus and helping others believe in Jesus is work. It's the work. It's the work. So this morning you are starting your work by believing in Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior. It's part of the work that Jesus came to do to make you to believe in him. That's his work. And when you believe in that work, you are also part of the work. So right now, at the count of three, you are saying, Pastor, I want to be born again. I want my sins to be forgiven. I don't want to continue working for Pharaoh. I want to work for Jesus. I don't want to continue serving Caesar. I'm rendering to Caesar and I'm rendering nothing to God. I want to also render to God. And I want to start by surrendering my life to God. At the count of three, raise your right hand and Pastor will pray for you. One, two, three, raise it up. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. You can take your hands down. You also want to recommit your life to Jesus this morning. You feel like you are not, you haven't been a strong Christian lately. You want to become a strong Christian. You want to live for God, serve God, and work for God. At the count of three, please raise your right hand. One, two, three, raise it up. God bless you. God bless you. Let's pray together. Dear Lord Jesus, I surrender my life to you today. Please forgive me my sins. Wash me with your blood. I believe you died for me. On the third day you rose again that I might be justified. Right now, I believe my sins are forgiven. I'm justified by your blood. I'm saved. I'm born again. I'm a child of God. I am free from the power of sin to serve the living God. Thank you, Jesus, for receiving me. Thank you, Jesus, for restoring me. Thank you, Jesus, for saving me. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening. May God bless you. Remember to subscribe to receive our latest service notifications and to share the link. You can also watch our pastor, Pastor Pascal, live on our Facebook page, Alive Bible Church HQ, or on our YouTube channel, Alive Bible Church SA. Remember, you are alive to give life. Can I